Your reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. So um, we've been talking about, for weeks now, the kingdom culture. So the kingdom of God is here. It's now. Thank God we are in that kingdom. And no matter what kingdom we're talking about, the king is the one who sets the culture, right? We either align with that king's culture or we don't. And it has a direct impact on the citizen benefits, on the blessing that we get to live in, whether we're in that culture or we're in some other culture, right? We can live by the world's culture. We can live by our workplace's culture, but he actually has a culture that releases himself, releases his love, his ability in our lives. Is that the truth? Okay, that's what we're talking about. And and so really, actually, one more thing on that note in review. So we're talking about, when we talk about the kingdom, where is the kingdom? In us, right. So when we talk about being in the culture of our king, we're talking about allowing him to transform the deep places in us so that the Holy Spirit is welcome, right? We're making our places welcome. And I think this morning we are going to talk about, I'm pretty sure we're at the bottom line. I didn't see it coming. I didn't realize that was going to be today, but we're at least... As far as the fiery passion in me, we're at the place where we're going to be talking about the bottom line of being a place that is the culture of the kingdom of God so the Holy Spirit is welcome and completely free. Is that exciting to you? It is to me. I have way too much material, and I know I do, so we're just going to see where we get, and we're just going to keep digging through this as we move through the weeks, okay? To start, I want you to go with me to um, John chapter 7 and verse 37. Jesus speaking here. In fact, the context is it's the last day of their feast season. So it starts out in verse 37 and says, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying. So this is what he decides at the conclusion of the feasting to stand up and cry out. There's the context for you. (laughs) And he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, in case you didn't realize it, he is talking about his culture. He is talking about his kingdom here. Now, what is living water? I mean, what does that mean? This is, a, this is a heck of a promise. Do you get that? that? When he says, out of his heart, out of your heart, will flow rivers of living water. Now, that is a promise. Do we have any idea what that means? We're going to look at an encounter. You know me well enough to know. I probably drive you crazy with it. Jesus wants to encounter you. This morning, tomorrow, all the time, in your sleep. He, he's a person. You know this. And he wants to have a relationship. We're talking about real encounters where you know you've been in the transforming presence of the Savior. Yes? Where you're having a conversation that's transformational. For real. So we're going to look at that. We've, we looked at this several weeks back, and I'm just not released on it. So we're going we're gonna to look at John chapter 4. And starting in verse 7, this is where Jesus meets the the Samaritan woman at the well. 
okay? A real relational encounter with a woman that he loves, just like he loves you. He's crazy nuts in love with you like that. Here in verse 7, it says, A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Now, I just want you to recognize how he opens this encounter. Okay, recognize he's walked up to the well. The woman is there, and he says, Give me a drink. The king just said to a woman at a well, Give me a drink. Just kind of marinate in that one as we move forward. Okay, it starts with him asking for a drink. That's the beginning. And then it goes, verse 8, and says, For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the women of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, I, I shouldn't have said women, the woman of Samaria, said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Listen, what's her first problem? Jesus has come. Why is Jesus coming to her at the well? Is it because he needs a drink? I mean, I don't know, he might need a drink, but he's probably thirsty. But he is encountering this woman because he loves her, like he loves you. And what's her first problem? Her first problem is, I'm not qualified to have this conversation with you, right? I'm not qualified. To, you're talking to me? Now, I want to do something. If you're comfortable with it, we're just going to have a, a ministry moment. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to move even right now. If you just close your eyes for just a minute, if you're comfortable with that. And we're just going to ask a question, and I ask you to bring your faith. Bring your faith that the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you right now, okay? Lord, we just ask you, what is that thing in us that you want to deal with, each one of us, that makes us think we're disqualified to have that deeper conversation with you? Thank you, Jesus. Um, okay, I'm going to pull it together. I'm all kinds of messed up from that worship. <laughs> so Jesus, so, so the conversation goes on, okay? In verse 10, Jesus answers her. Now I want you to really pay attention to these words. And he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink. Sorry. You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Okay? There's the living water again. Okay, what is this living water? And what does he say? If you knew who I am, and you knew the gift that I am able to give you, then you would ask me for it. So why is she not, at this point, in, her, in this relationship, at this point in the conversation, why is she not getting the living water? She hasn't asked for it. She doesn't necessarily even realize he can give it, that he's the one that can give it if she did ask for it, and she hasn't asked for it, okay? Keep that. So the conversation goes on, verse 11. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? What's her second problem? She's thinking physically, and the well's deep. You see, we have enough faith to believe that God, that God wants that deep relationship with us, that Jesus is crazy. If I say, do you know Jesus is in love with you? You'd say yes. But then as soon as you've got a problem, as soon as you've got something that you need God's touch in, we begin to weigh it 
in the physical and we begin to wonder if God can, can touch my deep places. You understand, all throughout the scriptures, okay, the well, wells are your soul. The well is, is always him talking about your soul and trying to put himself, the kingdom of God, in that place. Always, every time. Even when you read in the stories of the Old Testament, just think, this is about my soul. I'm reading about a well. Okay? Okay, so we're going to do this the last time. Well, I think this is the last time we're going to do this. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak again just right now. Okay? So if you're comfortable with it, close your eyes. I'm just going to ask him one question. Lord, we just ask you to reveal to us right now, individually, what in our life that we wonder if you can touch that place and if you can meet us there. Thank you, Lord. See, that's our two problems. I'm not qualified. I have a worthiness problem. I think I need to be worthy for your love. And he, he says, I made you worthy. And then the second problem is, yeah, but my, my well, my wounds, my brokenness, my problems are far too deep and you don't have what's necessary to meet me there. And that's all he ever wants to do. He wants to meet you at the well, like we're reading about here. So it goes on, uh, verse, uh, let's see, I think we're at verse 13. Jesus answered her and said to her. So here's her answer about whether he's big enough to get water from the well. (laughs) Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. He's speaking about the physical well, right? And he says, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. Now I'm going to tell you what we're talking about. This is the bottom line of the culture of Jesus's kingdom. Are you ready? Never thirsting again is the definition of healing. Okay? Do you understand? This is how this works. We're we're broken. There's pain. There's harm. We're wounded. Okay? And that is our thirst. Do you understand? We go through most of our life and we're driven by thirst out of our woundedness. And he says, this is talking about your soul, right? We're at a well. And he's saying, for, for those who invite me in humility to meet in that place, in the most painful place, the most confused place, the most broken place, the depths of your well, he wants to meet there and give you a drink of himself, a drink of Jesus that heals that place so it never thirsts again. So you're never driven by wrong motive again. You never have, a, have an addictive need to try to fill this thirst from this broken wound that you've had to deal with your entire life ever since this wound happened. He wants to give a drink where you never thirst again. You're completely bound up. You're healed and sealed in the Holy Spirit. Why does he want to do that? Because he loves us, because he wants to live there. He's making a place for himself. You see, when he comes to the depths of your well, when he heals that place, when he binds it, seals it, he promises living water. That's the kingdom of God. That's the Holy Spirit. The living water is himself. He wants to make a home for himself, a place where he's welcome. In order to do that, he has to heal that place. Now it's a place for him. And he promises that when we invite him into the deep to work on those broken, those painful, those terrifying places, when we invite him into that place, it's the most terrifying thing in the world. I know. I get it. There's nothing more terrifying than the depths of your own well. 
But when, when we invite him into that place, he heals that place and makes a home for himself so that he can bubble out living water, living water, a place that never thirsts again. Amen? That's the culture of his kingdom. He's ever wanting to meet you at your well. So here's what happens next. In verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. So now she's finally like, okay, I'll take some. (laughs) I'm convinced. I don't think she really grasps what he's trying to give her just yet, but she'll have some of that. She's thinking, because you know in their culture, she would have carried a pot you know, maybe for three miles or to get to the well. And she's thinking, boy, I don't have to make the hike anymore. <laughs> and then look at, look at what happens next. I just want you to know I'm telling you the truth so you can go home with assurance that this is talking about your soul. Look at what happens next. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You have said, well, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that, you spoke truly. You see, his original intention from the very, very beginning when he walked up to the woman and said, give me a drink, was to meet her in the depths of her well. You understand, why did she have five husbands? Do you understand why she, is it just because, well, we're sinners, we just can never do what's right, and okay, it's true, but listen, there's a reason, it's because we're driven by our thirst, we're driven by the broken, wounded places that are deep in our well, it drives us until he heals it and makes it so you're not thirsty in that place anymore. He wants to heal that place. He wanted to have this conversation with this woman from the very beginning of the encounter. It's the reason he's at the well. He wants to heal her places, so it's a home for him. Amen? You recognize he wants to meet you at the well. He wants to do this with you all the time. Okay, go with me to Luke 7 and verse 36. This is another story where Jesus is going to have another encounter with another woman. Again, it's a a public place. Again, it's a room anyway. It's a private room with other people in there. But something really intimate is about to happen in front of a bunch of other people in the room, or at least some other people in the room. Verse 36, it says, Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. Now remember who the Pharisees are. They're the teachers of the law. The name literally means, actually I forget its literal meaning, better than you or holier, set apart ones. Set apart ones. I'm set apart, okay? (laughs) He's been asked to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. Now, isn't that peculiar? It identifies her as a sinner. Now, who's a sinner? All of us. So isn't that weird? Why does this say, just specifically identify a woman in the city who was a sinner? I think we're going to answer that in a second. But when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask. Now, listen what she brings. With a fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears 
and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now listen to the desperation here. This woman is is feeling desperation from the depths of her well. Can we agree on that? So she hears that Jesus is here having a dinner with the Pharisees and she just barges into the situation. And she has two things. Did you see the two things she has? Oil and tears. What is she declaring with the oil? He's king, okay? It's a declaration. She's anointing him. She's declaring, you are Lord. I'm here to acknowledge that you are, you are the Lord. You are the king. And then she brings the only honoring thing we ever really bring to God, our brokenness, our pain. The part of our soul that we're taught far too often is the last thing he ever wants from this is the only thing he actually finds interesting. Okay? She doesn't bring him any good works, any positive words, any ministry to other people. What she brings him is her tears. The, the depth of her well, that's all I've got. I can wash your feet with tears. All I have is pain. All I have is broken. And that's what she brings him. In verse 39, says, Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, now listen, you see, he's judging him. He's saying, is this this Jesus fella a true prophet? Does he know what he's doing? He says, if he were a prophet, he would know who and what manner of woman this is who's touching him, for for she is a sinner. You see, he's stuck on the disqualification problem. The same, the woman at the well, the, the, um, she's not even qualified. He, he obviously doesn't know what he's doing because he's, he's having this interaction with someone who's not qualified to interact with him. Not clean. And you understand washing feet. He's washing his feet with tears and her hair. In their culture, washing feet was a servant role. She comes and serves. You see, the last one started with give me a drink, and this one starts with her serving. You see, what happens with Jesus, you come and you give him an inch. You say, all I have is tears, and I give it to you. I invite you to that deep, broken part of my well. I give it to you in worship in worship and acknowledgement of you as my king, and you end up served. <laughs> you, go to, you go to give worship and you end up served. You'll never outdo Jesus' love for you. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, now this is not Peter, this is, this is a Pharisee, he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. And so he said, teacher, say it. And he says, so now he's going to tell a parable, right? And he says, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you've you've rightly judged. I think I want to tell you a story here about myself. I'm going to be transparent for a minute. So let's do this. Okay, so do you see in this parable, he turns it all upside down. 
It's the one who invites him into that deep place in the well. The one who's not willing to have a shallow relationship. You see, we we pray, Lord, put your spirit upon me. Um, Let your spirit be in this place. And he doesn't put it on the surface. That's not the kingdom of God. Think of the temple, okay? The Ark of the Covenant was not put outside of the temple. It was not put in the outer court where people gathered and where they prepared to go in. It was not even put in the inner court where the lambs were brought and and the, the sacrifices were made and put on the altar and burned. The Ark of the Covenant was in the Holy of Holies. It was true of the temple then. It's true of the temple now. You are the temple now. And it's true of you now. It is in the deep places that he puts the living water. Does that make sense? It is in your deep places, the places that you don't even understand. You can read Psalms of David where he mentions that he doesn't even understand. He can't even comprehend the depths of his own well, the depths of his own soul. That's the Holy of Holies. That is the places where he wants to encounter you and heal and seal those places with the Spirit of God so that living water comes from within you. It's never going to be on the surface of your life that he pours his spirit, that he pours living water. See, we can never stop. I'm going to move on in the scriptures here, but we we can never stop realizing that, that our relationship with God is ever inviting him to the deep places. You know what you have to give him? Pain, woundedness, brokenness, shame, guilt, These are the gifts that he says, bring them to me. (laughs) I want to transform that place as a place for me to live as living water. Okay. So this is the transparency story. For some reason, I think I'm supposed to tell this for somebody. So we took a team down to Colorado Springs. Most of you know this already, and we've been training for prayer ministry with people. And a lot of it has to do with this conversation we're having today, inviting Jesus to the, to the deep places in your well, to have an encounter, to have a touch with, with the Savior so we can be transformed. Of course, I'm going down there and I'm thinking, well, you know, I'll go down with the team because, you know, for the team, I'll, I'll be down there with them, <laughs> right? I really should go. And um, so I do the training with them. And it, and it took the very first time I'm sitting down there and God begins to meet me in the deep places, the broken places in my well. And I'm kind of mad about it. <laughs> I'm like, we've done this. You've got to be kidding me. I'm here for the team. I'm not even a participant, really. I'm just... <laughs> We are not doing this again. And I, and I hear him speak just lovingly and say, we're going to go deeper. You see, we can never stop. And eight months later, going through that thing, I, I come out transformed like again, <laughs> again, just every time he wants to meet you at, the, at that well. I don't care how terrified you feel. I don't care how painful it begins to rub that pain deep inside you. Just get excited. Okay, ask him to help you just be excited and trust his love for you and meet the Savior there because he wants to transform you. He wants your places in your well to be places for his Holy Spirit. He wants that for you. He wants that that abundant life. He came so that you would have life and that you would have life abundant. Any death, 
is not okay with him. He wants you filled with his life, every place healed, every place sealed with the assurance of the Holy Spirit, with the living water that comes out of you and changes your world. Do you want that? Then you've got to say yes to the Savior, even when you feel the terror that you're approaching a place that is, that is a little raw, or you're approaching shame, and I just can't feel that shame anymore. I've suppressed it the best I can. <laughs> for as long as I can, and he's meeting you there. You've got to say yes, Lord. You've got to trust his love and have a conversation with him. Let him go there and touch it. It's my prayer for you. Whew, yeah, we're going to have to do several messages on this, I think. Okay, let's do this. I think we're going to do this. Go to John 7. Is that where we are already? And verse 25. This is a scene where, okay, here's the context. They're trying to figure out if he's the Christ. Okay, so there's a crowd or, or at least, you know, some, some peoples. They're, they're watching what he's doing. They're watching him set people free and love in very relational encounters. And there's, they're seeing these things, the signs of the kingdom all over this man, Jesus. And they're asking themselves, is this the Messiah we've been waiting for? That's, that's the context. And in verse 25, it says, Now some of them from Jerusalem said, Is this not he whom they seek to kill? But look, he speaks boldly. Now remember from last week we talked about they were astonished because he, he talks or he teaches as one with authority. Do you remember that? They're saying the same thing. They're going, look, he speaks boldly. And they say nothing to him. So what are they saying? The they that they're referring to are the religious leaders. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, I'm not sure what, but religious leaders are standing there. And they're saying, he is speaking boldly, kind of like, you don't do that, not in front of the religious leaders. And yet they're noting that the religious leaders are not saying anything to him. It says, and they say nothing to him. So then, so here's what happens. So they say, do not the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? Or they say, do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? In other words, they're saying, is the reason they don't say anything to him is because they know something we don't? Like, is this the Messiah? And they know it? And it says, however, we know where this man is from, but when the Christ comes, no one knows where he's from. So now here's what they're doing there in case you're not tracking with that. They're remembering what they know from the prophets. And there are places in, you know, in the prophets where they say one, one, no one will know where he's from. We're not going to go read those this morning for time's sake. But they're trying to snap it into what they know from their logic, trying to figure out, is he the Messiah? Okay. Then Jesus cried out. Here's the second, the second time this morning we said he cried out. So we're looking at very, very passionate places for him. He cried out as he taught in the temple saying, you both know me and you know where I am from and I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. But I know him, speaking of his father, for I am from him and he sent me. And it goes on and says, therefore they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. And many of the people believed in him and said, when the Christ comes, will he do more signs than, more signs than these which this man has done? Okay, this is what I want you to see. 
Why did their consideration of whether he is the Messiah land squarely on a conversation about the signs that he's doing? He's saying, if this isn't him, is there somebody else who's going to come and do more signs? Why is that the focus of their conversation? And I tell you, they, they know, they, realize, they realized in their culture more than we do in ours. They knew that, that signs are evidence of what is. Okay, we're talking about living water here. Signs, the manifestation of the kingdom means the kingdom's here. There are no signs without the kingdom, and there's no kingdom in power without the signs. Okay, in verse 30, now listen, in verse 32, it goes on, and the Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him, in other words, take him down, do away with him. Then Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer, and then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and not find me, and where I am, you cannot come. Now listen, it's really important to recognize who he's saying this to. He just told them, where I am or what I'm up to, what I'm doing, you cannot come. Who's he saying that to? The Pharisees. Okay, that's what he says. And who are the Pharisees? They are the religious that are above the conversation in the depths of the well. They're, they're, they don't have the conversation at the well. They've worked it all out into religion. Religion is the enemy of God. Okay? Jesus' conversation with the woman of Samaria at the well was not a religious conversation. In fact, there wouldn't have been a Pharisee alive that would have viewed that conversation as legitimate. Does that make sense? So for those who do not have the conversation at the deep places of the well are those that cannot come. The kingdom of heaven is not for you. And then the Jews said among themselves, where does he intend to go that we shall not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What is this thing that he said? You will seek me and not find me, and where I am you cannot come. He's just speaking about his kingdom. He's speaking about the kingdom that he invites you into today. And the entry is that deep conversation at the well. Now, just in case, I think we've got just enough time. Just in, I want you to know I'm telling the truth, okay? So go to John. We're going to contrast. You see, this is like one of those, you know when you're watching the political news? Now, don't get scared. I'm not going to go political. But you know you're watching and they do a soundbite from a politician from like a year ago. And he's basically saying, we do not believe in this. We are not going to do this. And then they show a present soundbite and he says, we absolutely believe in this. And this is what we're going to do. And side by side, okay, we're going to do something like that here. (laughs) I love when they do that. It's just like, ah, caught. (laughs) Drives me crazy. So go to John 14, and we're going to start right in verse 1, and we're going to contrast this with the last thing we just read. And Jesus speaking, I love when he speaks, says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. And where, listen, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. 
You see the difference? He's not talking to the Pharisees here. He's talking to people who believe him. And this time he says, you're totally welcome. Where I go, you go. In fact, you already know the way. Now, of course, okay, so verse 5, Thomas, one of the disciples, said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And he says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So what did he do? He said, Thomas says, I don't know the way. And he says, yeah, you do. You know me. (laughs) That's what he has to say. You know me. That's all there is. Just, just have that conversation at the well with me. Invite me into what places? The beautiful places? The places where you minister to people? The places where you're confident and solid? He wants to have a conversation with you where you're most broken. Where the pain is unbearable. Or the shame is, where, where the shame is mounted to where you don't even want to think about it anymore. In fact, you've become very good at not paying attention to that shame anymore. Because you had to for survival. And it ever creates thirst that never goes away. You ever have to tend to that place of shame, that place of broken, that place of hurt, that unforgiveness. Tremendous amounts of energy go to taking care of that place all by yourself. And Jesus says, I want to talk to you in that place so that it's never thirsty again. I want to make that, Jesus says, I want to make that the most powerful place for me to dwell that you have. I want to take your shame and I want to make that the most powerful stronghold I have within you for living water. I want to take your brokenness and I want that to be my home. I want to heal and seal that with myself, with my Holy Spirit. Can I pray for you? On this matter, even though I'm going to pray for the deep parts of your well, can I pray for you? (laughs) It's dangerous territory. Jesus may actually meet you there (laughs) and start a journey of some painful things because he wants to have it. You trust him? You trust that he loves you so much that it's okay to let him have a conversation in that place with you? Okay. Father, we thank you for your love over us, your children. We thank you that we are sons of God and that your plans are only good. And we thank you that you were never okay with these broken places in us. You were never okay with the shame or the pain. We thank you that you have always had a plan for your ministry of reconciliation at our well. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just begin moving in a journey, even this morning, even right now, in the weeks to come, the months to come. I pray that this would be a year of healing in the deep places of our well, that we would be making places for your Holy Spirit deep inside of us. Search us, Lord. Search us and begin conversations. And we say, yes, Lord. We're saying we want to meet with you there if you will start that conversation in our broken places, we say, yes, Lord, we'll meet with you there and we ask for your healing. We ask that you would, you would have that healing touch, that healing conversation, and we'll walk with you. We give you our willingness 
to walk with you. Help us trust you when you start that conversation, Lord. We have faith, but give us faith where we don't have it. Help us to walk with you into that scary place. And Lord, I I bind the ability of the enemy to bring up fear when you try to start the conversation and say, give me a drink. I bind that in the strong name of Jesus, our King. And shame, Lord, in the name of Jesus, in your strong name, I bind shame. The spirit of shame will be bound in the name of Jesus so that there's no hindrance to starting this healing journey, this conversation with you in those places. And Lord, we give you our faith that you are making places that are filled with your spirit, that bubble under pressure of the living water so that your spirit is is flowing out of us like a river. Make places like that, Jesus. We want that. We're desperate for you, for the living water. I ask that you would take thirsty places and transform them into places that never have thirst again. In the name of Jesus, in your name, you're our king, we love you. Amen.